He's got too much pine tar. Sloppy jalopy. They were doing the uh, the Chris Davis fishing for it. Might be going to call George Brett out. Well, he yeah, is. He's out. Yes, Brett is out. Look at, look at this. Brett is out. And he's steaming mad. He is out and having to be forcibly restrained from hitting plate umpire Tim McClellan. Too much potter. <laughs> Way too much potter. Welcome back to another episode of Too Much Pod Tar. Uh, today, the day of recording this is January 26th, uh, just over, uh, just under an hour after the Hall of Fame announcements came in, and it was announced that there were no uh, no players that were inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, you know, so it'll be we're still going to have the ceremony for Jeter and Larry Walker uh, this summer. But it's going to be them, just the two of them, and then also, uh, of course, Ted Simmons and uh, Marvin Miller, who also were inducted by the Veterans Committee. So it'll be just the four, four of those guys for this summer, since no one got inducted this year. Um, and uh, just to roll down the list of what the percentages were, the it was Schilling number one. He had 71%. Uh, and then Bond, Bonds and Clemens had 61, well, Bonds had 61.8%, and Clemens was 61.6%. Uh, but that, like, there, I have so many things going on in my head about it. This, the whole thing with leaving them, not voting them in is ridiculous. But someone voting Bonds and not, and not voting Clemens is so stupid. Like, that's one part that's really gets me. Um, but. Uh, Scott Rowland was fourth, 52.9%. And then uh, Omar Vizquel was fifth, uh, 49.1%. And then, you know, Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, Gary Sheffield, Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent, Manny Ramirez, Sammy Sosa, Andy Pettit, Mark Burley, uh, Torrey Hunter, Bobby Abreu, and then Tim Hudson. So, and then all the guys after that were under five percent so they're not on the ballot anymore so those would be the guys that are on the ballot for next year and of course Schilling, bonds and clemens uh, along with along with sosa that'll be their last year on the ballot and just my opinion i don't think i can't imagine them getting in next year either just uh, they i don't see anyone changing their minds if they already made up their mind about who that they don't want to vote for them i don't think they're going to be able to change their mind next year either uh so it's going to be tough, tough, sle- tough sledding for them. But uh, for this episode, I also have Johnny Black on to share some of his thoughts on this. So welcome to the show, Johnny. What's going on, Alex? It's been a long time <laughs> since I've been. Yeah, it's been a, been a little bit, but it's good to have you back. How you been doing? Good, good. 
following all the Hall of Fame cases as usual. And, you know, like you said, like, I'm not, I'm not too surprised that there was no one this year. You know, it doesn't really shock me. You know, I would have been kind of shocked if Schilling made that jump and um, Bonds and Clemens, you know, just surprising Bonds and Clemens actually dropped a little bit. <clears throat> but I'm happy to see guys like Roland and Helton moving up the ranks, you know, still in their first first half of their candidacy, basically. So I think another couple, especially someone like Scott Roland, who is just, I mean, my opinion, top 10 third baseman all time. You know, yeah. getting over fifty percent of the votes, he's still got a few more years left, and I think he's really going to make a move. I think he'll be in either next year or the year after. Yeah, I could see that for sure, uh, especially when you get start having guys fall off the ballot. Or obviously, if next year the guys that are going to be either getting voted in or or falling off, so that that'll definitely uh, leave room for guy more guys to get more votes. So. Yeah, once you open up the ballot a little bit, as far as that goes, I mean, like you said, next year is Schilling's last year, Sosa, Bonds, Clemens. So whether they get in, make that jump, and people put them in their final year, which I doubt, or they just fall off the ballot, uh, you know, the following year then mm-hmm. will be the year for guys like Roland, Helton, Jones, you know, to get to gain a lot of those votes. Even Pettit and Burley and Abreu, yeah. like guys like that, who stayed on the ballot. And I think, you know, the voters were smart with that. You know, they're kind of dumb with a lot of things. <laughs> but yeah. I think they're smart enough to see that keeping these guys on the ballot long enough so when it clears out, they can put them in on their votes. And I definitely see some of those guys. Especially like Jones, Roland, Abreu, Helton, gaining a lot of yeah. votes the next few years once it clears up. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, some of the bad decisions too that we've talked about before the show, the 14 p- ballots that were left blank, by, um, which is the most in history, um, That's I find that completely asinine. Why do you even get a vote if you're going to just leave it blank? They should... Honestly, they should just get their vote re- revoked. Those people, like they, they're, even if you don't want to vote for the guys that have these other these issues with them, you know, with Schilling, Bonds, and Clemens, Sosa. They, even if you don't want to vote for them, you can. There's plenty of guys that deserve it, like you said with Roland, uh, Billy Wagner, Helton, Jones. There's all those guys deserve deserve votes too. So you're not going to vote for the. Ant- quote-unquote anti-integrity guys, then vote for other guys instead. Right, and the whole thing with that is, if you're not going to vote for anyone, why send in your ballot? Because you're skewing the percentages then. You know, like we were talking about before, um, you know, I think there were 401 ballots cast. So 14 of them were blank. But that means that you need more votes for you to make the 75% of the 401. If people don't send, if writer, if a writer doesn't feel there's anyone of value because of steroids, because of whatever, then don't send in the ballot. Don't skew the percentage. 
it feels to me that those 14 blank ballots, they've done, they're done on purpose to skew the percentage against everyone else. So yeah, if they didn't some... send in their ballot at all, it wouldn't be counted. So it wouldn't be counted against the percentage. So therefore, those 14, if they, if they instead of sending in a blank ballot, if they didn't send in a ballot at all, there, there only would have been 387 ballots. So the percentage might have been, def, you know, is different. And especially when you're talking about players that are getting 70, 71%. I mean, it comes closer to 75. So, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think if you don't it's have someone like- to vote for, if you really don't feel, if you're a small hall guy and you really feel that, all right, I don't like the steroids, I don't like the off the field stuff, whether it's domestic violence, whether it's, you know, anything, you know, Schilling's rants on Twitter and like whatever it may be, however you see it and however you want to apply that character clause, that's up to you. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But do it right. You know, and I just think yeah. that the blank ballot is the wrong way to go. Yeah, it's almost like they're trying to protest the, the votes or, or protest those guys, but does it make any sense? Like, I don't know what their th- what their pr- thought process is there. It's it's like they're, uh, I don't know, just the way the whole world is, to, like, as people get too soft about stuff, like, how we see people getting, like, the whole cancel culture and everything. Well, the whole thing yeah. with the, the whole thing with the Hall of Fame ballot, you see, you know, it's... It's a slippery slope, too. It's like, what do you consider wrong? You know, I was looking at it that, you know, I had this conversation actually in a, in a Twitter chat that I'm in. It's a sabermetrics chat and stuff like that. And I was talking to one of the guys that I talked to, um, actually works in baseball. And um, we were talking about it. And I, I always felt like Jeff Kent should be in. Like, I love Jeff Kent. I thought he was a great second baseman, underrated defensive player, and people discredited him for his defense over and over for no valid reason. I don't know. It's just some kind of narrative about him. But the dude had the most home runs by any second baseman ever. And if you look at his stats, if you look at the Hall of Fame case that I wrote not too long ago, um, comparing him to guys like Biggio, Ryan Sandberg, Guys who are in the Hall of Fame, he plays up pretty well, you know. I mean, he did win the MVP in 2000. Granted, he probably didn't deserve it, but he won it nonetheless. You know, he played in the shadow of Bonds in San Francisco. I get it. And he started late. He didn't have his first full season until he was 25, whereas like someone like Robbie Alomar started when he was like 20, you know, got stuff like that. So, but... The whole point is, I didn't know. I I had forgotten that Jeff Kent had donated money to block like gay marriage in California. I think it was gay marriage in California back in 2008 when he was at the Dodgers. So it's stuff like that. Like, all right, so you take a situation like that, you take a belief this guy has that that's wrong, and then you take it from 12 years ago. Now. How does that compare to the steroids? 
How does that compare to guys who have been accused of domestic violence, like Omar Vizquel, like Andrew Jones, like guys like that? How does it compare to the three DUIs that Todd Helton had? He had three DUI arrests. Like, how does how do you judge the morality then? Like, what is important to you? And that's why I leave it up to the voters. If you feel that someone like Kent voting against that is wrong and you don't want to vote for that's fine. If you think Schilling is a Nazi and a racist, that's fine. If you don't want to vote for him, if you think Bonds and Clemens did steroids and he cheated the game, that's fine. If you did domestic violence, whatever, whatever it is, but where do you draw the line is what I'm saying. Like, where do you draw the line with the morality thing, with the character clause that these guys invoke when seemingly convenient for these voters? And that's the problem I have with a lot of these voters is that they'll They'll invoke the character clause. They'll say one thing about Schilling and one thing about Bonds and Clemens. Yet they'll vote in Omar Vizquel, Andrew Jones, Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa not only was likely a steroid user, he used a corked bat. It was proven. He got suspended for it. I mean, (laughs) so stuff like that. Like, I mean, that's what, for me personally, I look at the on-field stuff. I want players in the museum because they were great baseball players. And like I said in a text before when we were talking on on our chat, and I said, I'm not not the morality police. Look, Mm -hmm. there are bad people already in the Hall of Fame, and we're going to vote more of them in. And stuff will come out afterwards. So if stuff comes out afterwards, do we take them out? No. It's just, it is what it is. The Hall of Fame is a museum of the greatest baseball players to ever play the game. That's what it should be. When parents and grandparents take their kids and grandkids to go to Cooperstown and they go through that that town that is, you know, for better or worse, stuck in the 1950s. It looks like a 1950s place. Like it looks, you know, and you go there and you walk through the hall. The grandparents and parents will relay these stories to their kids and grandkids and say, you know, when they go to Bonds's plaque, when they go to Clemens's plaque, when they go to Schilling's plaque, when they go to whoever, they're going to say, well, this guy cheated. This guy did this. This guy did that. Th- that's what baseball grew up on. And that's what I think we've lost in this whole thing. You know, a lot of the voters talk about like the history of the game and it's such a rich history going back to Babe Ruth and even before that and everything. And the thing is we have to hold on to that. And I think the history of the game, a lot of it is stories, you know, before our social media and before all that hundreds of years, you know, a hundred years ago, it was writers that actually wrote about the game and everything like that, passing on stories to fans and then they could pass on and they took their kids and grandkids to games and stuff like that. And this is what baseball was built on. And that's what I think a lot of the voters have gotten away from is letting it be a story that you can tell your kids, grandkids about 
Let him tell you about it. I mean, I know my father growing up told me about Roberto Clemente, Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, guys I never got a chance to see, you know. But it's just those, those stories of, like, watching, like, watching games and seeing this guy throw this guy out and stuff like that, like how amazing this player was and stuff. You know, that's something that's so rich in baseball, more than any other sport. And I think that's something that a lot of the voters, because they feel themselves being gatekeepers of morality, it's they're getting away from what the sport's supposed to be and what brought it into becoming the national pastime. Yeah, exactly. And I thing that irks me too is the same. These same voters are are writers. They're this like the a majority of them are ones that are like on board with doing keeping like the runner on second extra inning rule. Like all these, I saw a bunch of them last year like raving about the rule, and I'm just like, you you're covering the game, and you why why do you want to see something like that happen? Like that's not good for the game. It, I, it, I hated that so much last year, that whole thing. And I, I better not be in place next this year, too. Yeah, I can't stand that either. That That's one rule I don't like. I have no yeah. problem with the – I mean, I, I'm fine with the DH in both leagues. I mean, it's silly to have one league play one set of rules and the other not. I, that's just always been silly, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, as far as and honestly, you know what? I don't mind the double headers, seven inning no. double headers. I don't mind that don't. so much. I, I really don't, to be honest with you. If you got to play a double header, so seven innings each game, maybe they should yeah. schedule more double headers. You know, yeah. I mean, they used I to schedule them back good. in the day, they used to schedule them. So I have no problem with that. You know, the second base thing is is silly, though. Yeah. That's just silly. And it didn't even, like, it. it's not like it sped up the game anymore because sometimes they would, the one team would score and then the, the second team would tie it right up and then it would go to another inning anyway. Like, so. Yeah, I'd like to see the stats on that. Like, as far as, like, yeah, how, you know, yeah. how did it really yeah, you know, granted, I guess you're not going to have an 18 in a game, but you know how often are those? So I mean, it's you know what it is. It's it's like anything else. It's more perception than reality. You know the perception that we're shortening the game because we're putting a runner on second. Well, you're not really shortening the game that much. No. <laughs> you know, it's just a perception of look what we're doing to do this, and of course, it's all Manfred. You know. Yeah, hey, look at me. I'm ruining the game. Oh, Manfred should bring back guys like Mark Burley and Andy Pettit, who threw yeah. like two-hour games, you know, because yeah. they worked quickly, you know. Yeah. Um, but then back on the Schilling thing, too, he actually wrote a letter to the Hall of Fame right after the results. He said he's he will not participate in the final year of voting. Uh, I am requesting to be removed from the ballot. I'll defer to the Veterans Committee and men whose opinions actually matter and who are in a position to actually judge a player. So, I mean, I don't blame him because I mean, he's 
people are calling him calling him like a snowflake and a crybaby, but he's not. I mean, the voters who aren't voting him in based on some of these other things that have nothing to do with the game of baseball itself are the ones that are snowflakes, in my opinion. But to each their own, I guess. But I just, I, I, he has a right to be mad that they're not voting him in. Like he's, he was one of the greatest playoff pitchers of all time. You know, he was what did he go? I think he was eleven and two in in the postseason in his career. Um, you know, of course, the famous bloody sock in two thousand four with the Red Sox. That's a, one of his biggest moments. And so he has a lot of big moments there in the in the postseason. And uh, he's also just one of three strikeout seasons. That's another big thing that on him. So it's doesn't make sense to me that you can't vote a guy in based on stuff that has nothing to do with his stats or his performance on the field. I mean, I I the same thing with that. Like I I can understand maybe not voting in someone because of steroids. They they it's based off of they, they enhanced their performance um, on the on the field. They cheated cheated the game. And I know they. I actually, in my opinion, they were, they should be in the Hall of Fame, of course, but because I think they were Hall of Famers before uh, taking steroids. But if you can, st- I, I don't, I don't, wouldn't disagree if you want to not vote them from just because based on the steroids, because it is something that affects the game itself. So, but the the shilling thing is the, really the main problem for me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna disagree with you, and I. And I feel you. You got a valid point. I mean, this is the thing. You know, if Schilling, if we were 50 years ago, and there was no Twitter, and no social media, Schilling would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, his stats alone. It, I'm sorry, three thousand strikeouts, less than a thousand walks. I mean, he's one of only four to do that. He's one. He's the only pitcher to have, I believe, five seasons of a five to one strikeout to walk ratio in his career. I mean, the the guy was just he won three World Series rings, you know, eleven and two, like you said, eleven and two in the postseason. I mean, the only thing he's missing is a Cy Young award, and it's just unfortunate for him that he pitched at the time when Pedro was pitching, and he was a teammate of Randy Johnson who won four in a row. (laughs) You know, when Randy Johnson was winning four in a row, Schilling finished second, like, I think, three of those four years. (laughs) So, I mean, what are you going to (laughs) do? You know, that's that's why I think, like, the the whole awards thing, like MVP, gold gloves, and stuff like that, I I, that is, it's, you know... It's hit and miss. I mean, you could go back and you could look back on years past and be like, what the hell? I mean, Ted Williams won the, he was a triple crown twice. And in neither season did he win the MVP award. I mean, come on. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's some of these are just ridiculous, you know, but the fact that, Getting back to your point with the you know the whole shilling thing, it, the guy was a great player. There's no doubt about it. And I'm sorry if anyone says that he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame because of his playing career. Mm. They just they just 
don't know baseball. No. You know, if you want to keep them out for his other stuff, you know, it is what it is, you know. But personally, like I said to me, that morality, that character clause to me is a slippery slope. I understand where people come from because, like I said, one thing that's reprehensible to someone and is a disqualifier could be a non-issue to someone else. And I get it. That's fine. Personally, I don't make, I'm not making those moral judgments on baseball players because I think they should all be in. If on the field, your stats and you are a great player, I believe you should be in. And I believe those stories should be told in family and friends. Yeah. Grandkids, kids and stuff like that. Like that should be passed on. And those stories should be passed on. Like, why is this guy in the Hall of Fame? Well, he did this, he did that. You know, he was great, but he cheated and he did, you know. And, you know, made the point, too, in the past that, like, you know, Bud Selig's in there. Bud Selig's in the Hall of Fame. He let the whole steroid thing go on. Yeah. It wasn't illegal when Bonds and Clemens did it. So, now how can you hold them responsible, then? And not only that, how many names were in the Mitchell report? I mean, they said something like 20% of the Major League Baseball was doing this. Yeah. You know, unless you got talent already, you don't win seven Cy Youngs or seven MVP awards. It dominate your sport the way they did. You know, guys like Randy Velarde and stuff like that were taking steroids and were in the Mitchell report. So where was his? Where were his 30 home run, 40 home run seasons? You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to me. The the whole morality thing, I think it's, like I said, it's a slippery slope because once you judge one person for one thing, then you got to look at everyone else and be like, all right, is this as bad as this? I'm sorry. I'm not willing. If I had a Hall of Fame vote, I'm not willing to go down that road. I'm no. voting people in because of what they did between the lines. That's it. And as you mentioned there with Schilling, too, it's the funny thing was with him when, uh, being the runner-up to his teammate Randy Johnson for Cy Young, and then it was actually in 2001 that they both were the MVP of the 2000 World Series. So, like, he was always – I mean, even though he – was able to share their award with him. He was pretty much always second tier to Johnson during those years, or all those years he pitched with him. So, yeah, well, Randy Johnson was. I mean, Randy Johnson's yeah. honestly like an all-time great. <laughs> the dude is just yeah. arguably the best left-handed pitcher to ever pitch. Oh, honestly, yeah. I mean. Second all-time in strikeouts. I mean, you look at, uh, yeah, I, I'd probably have him as the best left-handed pitcher ever. Yeah. You know, with Colfax, Carlton, probably distant second and third, but mm-hmm. I never yeah. saw Andy, anyone like Randy Johnson, man. I mean, no, just everything about him, you know, I mean, sorry, six foot ten. <laughs> throwing that throwing that slider and throwing that heat. I mean, we all remember John Cruck like in the 
<laughs> you know, in the All Star game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know if you want to, we can probably look forward to next year, um, about what we think is going to happen. Um, but of course next year it's going to be more scandals and more, you know, arguing back and forth between right and wrong, uh, with, you know, A-Rod and David Ortiz coming on the ballot next year. So they'll be sharing, sharing the ballot with, of course, Bonds and Clemens and Sosa, the steroid users. Um, so It'll, it's going to be interesting to see what that goes down with that because I think if Bonds and Clemens get in, then nobody who ever was accused of taking steroids should ever get in either. If they're not going to put those guys in for sure, they're not. They shouldn't put anybody else in that had well, that was accused. Yeah, I agree. I mean, A Rod and uh, David Ortiz, Big Poppy. Are on the ballot next year, and it's going to be interesting with Big Poppy too. Is you know the steroid suspicions? He was in the Mitchell report. Of course, he never tested positive. A Rod did. Yeah, and that's what you know. But you also got to remember, David Ortiz was DH. How long did it take Edgar Martinez to get in? You know what I mean? That's that's. Right. I think it might. That might ding him a little bit. I mean, granted, Ortiz has the playoff, the playoff moxie, and you know that that whole thing, you know, in Boston and 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 that. But I mean, you look at A Rod. I mean, I look at A Rod, and I look at yes, he was obviously he was a great player, but look what Manny Ramirez has done. Manny Ramirez is one of the best right-handed hitters the game has ever seen. And that dude can't crack 40% because he tested positive twice, no less, after the testing came about. And the same thing with A-Rod. So even if you're going to look past Bonds and Clemens because you said they were great before steroids, and even when they tested positive, uh, they didn't test positive. Like even there was no testing, so it was kind of legal. It was okay. Like at that time, once the testing came in, guys like Manny Ramirez and Arod actually tested positive. And then you look at someone who's still playing, like Robinson Cano. Like how's this going to affect them? This is the second time he got caught, and you know he's one of the best hitting second basemen of all time. But. You know, if you're doing it after the rule is in place, that's a little tougher to get over. You know, I think with Bonds and Clemens and guys like even Sheffield, who was mentioned in the Balco thing and, you know, stuff like that, I think it's a little easier to get over because we know what Selig was like and we there was no testing, They blah, 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 you know. But like I said it again about the morality thing, if you're going to go down that road, Pettit admitted to it. So Andy Pettit admitted to using steroids to get healthy, to get back on the field. So so how does this exonerate him either? Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. It's just like, a, it seems like it's a weird view on things. But either you did or you didn't. And if you did, 
all right, if you're going to keep those people out, fine, be consistent with it. Right. You know, if not, then don't. <laughs> I, I, that's why, like I said, I don't, I don't play the morality game with this stuff. Like, I'd rather give me my baseball stats. Let me judge for myself if you're a Hall of Famer, and that's what I would judge with. You can't go down that road. Yeah, and there's like, it seems like there's like a thin line. Um, some people want to not vote for anybody connected to steroids in any way, like even if they were just named in a report, never admitted to it, they don't want to vote for any of those guys. But then there's also guys that want to, they don't want to vote for people that were suspended or admitted to it or anything, but they'll vote for the guys that were, that like were just named. But I feel like it's got to be one. It can't be like that. I think it's got to be one way or the other. You don't, either don't vote for anybody that who's connected, or vote for the guys that had the stats on the field that were uh, worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. I, that's the way I look at it, anyway. I agree with you to a point. Like the one thing that I can say is that at least if you're going to draw the line with steroids draw it at where mm. when they started testing who got caught so i mean guys like manny ramirez and alex rodriguez yes they were great players stats they deserve to be in the hall but they got caught and not once but twice <clears throat> bonds and clemens and these guys sheffield so so like all those guys back then you don't know did bagwell do steroids did piazza did Pudge Rodriguez? No one knows because it wasn't tested for. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say, yeah, look at his stats. Like, he he became like a great, you know, power hitter. Rafael Palmero, Maguire. Yeah, you can say, like, oh, look at this guy. He gave like, gained like 30 pounds of muscle in an offseason. Uh, yeah, okay, that's fine. But you have no definitive proof. At least... With Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez, you have definitive proof because they were caught and suspended more than once. So, you know, it's like saying, you know, and I hate to make this comparison because it's it's somewhat of an analogy, but not not too great. But think of the 1919 White Sox, Black Sox, you know, that cheated, that bet on. And they brought Commissioner... Kennesaw Mountain Landis in and he cleaned up the game. They brought him in to do that, to clean up the game and everything like that. Do you think then he made the rule that it was a lifetime ban on baseball if you cheated? Valpy Rose cheated later on and is banned from baseball and has never made it to the Hall of Fame. Do you think cheating, do you think betting on games didn't happen? Before 1919, what was this? Was the first time a team, <laughs> like you know, mm. or a player, like threw a game before 1919? Like it never happened before that, and all of a sudden it happens in the World Series. Come on now, like you can't be that. You know, no one could be that naive, right? So, no. what I'm saying is, with the steroid thing, it was legal up to a point. Granted. Unethical? Yes. I get it. But were they testing for it? Were they looking for it? No. But once it was found, and once once it became rule that you get caught 
you get suspended for half a year, a whole year, whatever. Ramirez and Rodriguez did that. Yeah. Just as Pete Rose knew the ramifications of cheating and betting on baseball after the 1919 Black Sox. You know what I'm saying? So you can draw that line there because it's at least the definitive answer of who cheated and who didn't. Because before testing started, like I said, Bonds, Clemens, Sosa, Sheffield, Pudge Rodriguez, Jeff Bagwell, who knows? Who knows who cheated? No one knows. Because mm-hmm. it was no testing. <laughs> I mean, you look at it this way, and not to disper- besmirch his name or anything, but you look at someone like Babe Ruth, who was a great player, but on days he pitched for the Red Sox before he even went to the Yankees, before 1919, did he maybe take a little off? I mean, the guy, the guy drank, conforted with hooker, like you know, with hookers and like ate, and like he was a big personality and everything. Like, you don't think he maybe the little money on the side? Who knows? No, that's what I'm saying. No one knows for sure. And I'm not saying he did. Uh, all I'm saying is the possibility is there, just as the possibility for anyone to have cheated, in quotes, cheated using steroids before the testing was involved. Yeah. So to put Bonds and Clemens, two of the greatest players, to make them an example and yet vote in guys who you really don't know if they cheated or not. Like, I, I just think that's a moral ground that I, I you don't want to go down that road. No. Do you want to hear a crazy stat about Bonds? He, he had 688 career intentional walks. And the entire Tampa Bay Rays franchise had a combined 623, at, or has a combined 623 intentional walks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's insane. I love Bond stats. Like, it's yeah. <laughs> just stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, looking stuff. It's like, uh, yeah, there's so many things about him. That's we can talk. We can go into. <laughs> uh, so we can kind of transition to some other news, though, in baseball today. Uh, as a couple signings that happened, JT Real Muto, Real Muto resigns with the Phillies, uh, five years. Uh, what was it? One hundred fifteen point five million. So, yeah, Phillies, Phillies retain him, and they're gonna be. They're going to have a good lineup next year or this year. So it's going to be fun to watch that NL East race go down. The Mets, you know, Mets with all the moves they made so far. Nationals getting Brad Hand. That's That was a big move for them. So it's going to be going to be fun to watch for sure. Yeah, the NL East is going to be interesting this year, definitely. I mean, I don't think Real Muto <clears> – <throat> well – they had him for the past couple of years, so it, he doesn't really move the needle. No. But I think the NL East is definitely going to be interesting. I mean, the Mets getting Lindor and Carrasco, 
you know, even signing even the smaller signings like, you know, James McCann signing a catcher was a big move for them because he's it's uh-huh. a serious upgrade to Wilson Ramos. And even getting guys like Trevor May in the bullpen, just another bullpen piece. You go with Edwin Diaz, you know, you could put Lugo in the bullpen now, Gaselman, you know, do they have Batanza still? You know, stuff like that. You know, Atlanta still Atlanta. And they signed Charlie Morton. They get a healthy Mike Soroka back this year to go with Max Freed. I mean, they got a good team. Yeah, Miami surprised a lot of people last year. I mean, we'll see what what those guys can do. <clears throat> you know, I don't know. The NL East is going to turn into the NL Central because the NL Central last year sent, you know, four of their teams were in the playoffs last year. Yeah. You know, obviously, I don't know if the expanded playoffs are going to happen this year, but I mean that the NL Central has done nothing. The NL East, those teams are the ones that are signing everybody and making moves. The NL Central, the Cubs are shipping everybody out to their rebuilding. The Cardinals have done nothing at all. Uh-huh. Milwaukee's done nothing at all. The Reds have done nothing at all, and they lost. They lost Trevor Bauer. They're looking to trade Luis Castillo. I mean, <laughs> you know, so I think the East is going to be what the Central was last year. Mm-hmm. They're all going to battle it out. Yes. They're all going to be around 80-something wins. They're all, you know, and they're all waiting for the Dodgers and Padres. Yeah. And the you know. the NL Central is going to be like the NFC East of football, of baseball. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have a 500 team. <laughs> winning yeah. a division wouldn't surprise me to be honest no. with you wouldn't surprise me at all and then uh yeah the other signing was mark simeon going to the blue jays so that's a they've been making tons of moves this offseason still needs uh to make like another get another starter um and some relief some relievers but they their offense is going to be scary because they got, of course, Springer. They signed a couple weeks ago, and now they get Simeon, which they probably put at third, like you said in the chat earlier, and then move Vlad to first or DH. So yeah, that'll be that's going to be scary. Yeah, Jays are well. The Jays are looking at it like, look, they signed Ryu um, last year. Mm. You know, they have the kid Nate Pearson, who's looking like he's going to be a stud. You know, they got Tanner Roark, Ross Tripling, Robbie Ray. So, I mean, they have a solid one through five. No ace, really. You know, they don't have the Garrett Cole. They don't have the Trevor Bauer. They don't have the Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer. They don't have guys, anybody like that. But the one through five is solid. Mm-hmm. If they can add... You know, even if it's not another starter, if they can add another solid bullpen arm, because they, I, I don't know who their close is going to be. Uh-huh. Giles is gone. He's out anyway because of surgery. So uh-huh. I don't know who their close is going to be, but if they could, if they could have a solid bullpen, that lineup is going to be scary. And they're looking at it this way. You know, this is the time. Look, the the Rays, yeah, they won the AL last year, made it to the World Series. But you know what? They don't have Charlie Morton anymore. They don't have Blake Snell anymore. 
So two of their top pitchers are gone. Now we yeah. know to raise churn out pitchers, and that's fine. But you know, the Jays are looking at it like this is all window right here. And look at the Yankees. I mean, you know, yeah, they brought back DJ. Okay, that's fine. What's that pitching staff look like though? Yeah, granted, you have Cole. Okay. You know, obviously one of the best. Brought in Kluber. You don't know what he's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, when's Severino coming back? You know, Davey Garcia, Jordan Montgomery. You know, Tanaka's still out there. Who knows? You know, Paxton is probably gone. Yeah. I don't know. And I mean, I don't you- know what. They traded out of Vino, so that's one less bullpen arm. Yeah. And, of course, they got Tyon as well, but he's coming off Tommy John. Oh, right. So so he's another one. It's he, kind of like – it's pretty much Cole and then a bunch of question marks in that rotation. Like, if it's definitely a lot of – it's a high-risk but high-reward type of moves that they made. Because, like, yeah. if they, if oh, they pay off – if Kluber turns out to be like the stud pitcher he was a couple years ago, then they, then it works works out. Um, and then Tyon, of course, he was he was a stud before get going down with you know, of course, with the getting Tommy John. And then before that, he had well, his second he had had second Tommy John last year, but he also had uh, cancer that he was coming back from too. So he's been through a lot, but I think. If they can get, if he can come back strong, it'll be definitely solid there. But as you uh, you mentioned without Avino too, if the they've definitely saved some money for they've saved some room that they can sign another reliever. So hopefully they can go out and get somebody on the market, like maybe somebody like Trevor Rosenthal. I could see that. I could see someone like that definitely. Yeah. I I can't think of who else is on the market right now, but I know there's still pre- uh, plenty of relievers left. Yeah, there are a lot of them out there, and a lot of guys you could just bring in. Yeah. You bring them in on a on a deal, minor league deal, invite to spring training, and then they get like a million dollars if they make the major league roster, like stuff like that. You're gonna see a lot of those deals starting to come down because if if everything goes the way a normal MLB season should go. We're only about three weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting to camp. So yeah. you're going to start seeing a lot of these these deals go through as far as like minor league invite, you know, minor league deal with, you know, incentive if you make the major league club. But, um, yeah, the Yankees, Yankees are in a good spot because they have they have the lineup. I mean, it's, that's not an issue. And they still have the bullpen. It's that Adovino doesn't make or break them. But no. I just think that there are a lot of question marks in a starting rotation. But, you know, they've made it work for so long. You know, I think they'll make it work again. It's just that the Jays, I think, you know, the Blue Jays are looking at it like, all right, this is our shot. Because the Red Sox probably aren't going anywhere. The Orioles are rebuilding. And the Rays took a on paper, took a step back. So it's like, all right, well, a chance to win the AL East, we have to compete with basically one team, the Yankees. 
and they have question marks. So why not go for it, right? I mean, you know, if I'm the Jays, I would do the same thing. They're like, this is our window. Let's do it. Yeah, they got a they got a really good core, so they might might as well try to go for it. Yeah, I mean the same thing with the White Sox and <clears throat> <in> the Central. <clears throat> yeah, Twins haven't signed anybody. I mean they won the division the past couple of years, but they haven't signed anybody. Cleveland just traded Lindor and Carrasco away, so who knows what they're doing? Yeah, and I you saw know, they might sign trade sign Cesar Hernandez, but. Oh. He's not exactly a game changer, you know, no. solid second baseman, no doubt. But yeah. but then you got, you also got a KC Detroit rebuilding, you know, bringing up their young guys and they'll, they're KC, although I think is closer than people think, but a yeah. lot's going to depend on their pitching, you know, which is going to take, I think another year or two, because I'm not crazy about their lineup, but anyway, but the same thing with the Central. I mean, the White Sox saw that. <clears throat> they had the young guys. They had Lucas Giolito. They had Eloy Jimenez, Yohan Makata. They had Nick Madrigal, Luis Robert. Like, all these guys that were coming up. And they were like, all right, so let's sign Yasmani Grandal last year. Let's sign Dallas Keuchel. Let's sign some of these veterans they bring in for these young kids. They're making their move because they see the division w- – is winnable because they're only really competing with one team, you know? And I think the Jays are looking at it like, all right, we have this young infield. Let's do the same thing. Let's bring in a couple of veterans, Simeon. They signed Ryu last year. They're bringing in Springer, you know, let's mix in some veterans and bring them in to go with our young guys like Bichette and Biggio and Guerrero and guys like that. So they're looking at it the same way. The Jays and the White Sox are actually kind of on the same same plane right now. Yeah, I'm excited to see the, those two teams. What they obviously not when the the Blue Jays. I'm not as excited because it's obviously in the Yankees division. So I don't want them to win the division, but I'll be. Interested to see if they can actually make a run at the postseason. Uh, one of those wild card spots, uh, and you know it's going to be uh, interesting if we see the. I don't think we're getting an expanded playoffs this year. I think they actually, since they declined the DH for next year, they're going to. I think that was included with the whole the agreement with the pl- expanded playoffs. The player, uh, the pl- players' association, they didn't want the expanded playoffs, and then. MLB was saying that if they didn't want the D or if they wanted the DH, they would have to agree to do expanded playoffs. So that's the whole thing with that. So it's kind of weird. They I don't know why they went hand in hand like that, but that's how. I mean, MLB is kind of weird that way, especially with Manford. He's got these tricks up his sleeve. Instead of trying to work together, you'd want to I don't know try to make them go farther apart, and it's. Definitely, I think there will be a lockout next year if they're going to keep not being able to agree on stuff. But Yeah, uh, I think it, they go hand in hand because that's what, you know, 
that the whole DH thing is he knows Manfred knows that this was what the players union wants. They want the DH because it expands the possibility of players playing longer and stuff like that. So they definitely want that. So that's why he tied it. Manfred tied it to the expanded playoffs because it's more money for baseball. Right, and it's only more money for a select few. As far as the players go, that extra team in the playoffs, yeah, they make more money, but it's only one team on each side. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, that's why it's tied together, and they're going to be tied together going forward. If you see it now, you're going to see the same type of negotiations going on. As we get through the season, closer to December when the CBA is up, so a lot of this is going to be tied. I'm interested to see where the revenue sharing goes. But that's this is all complicated. That's for another show. <laughs> we can talk about that <laughs> later. Yeah, I just want to get to the games. Oh yeah, I'm I'm ready for spring training. I saw my snowing outside right now up here in Boston. Yeah, it's, it's like here too. Oh, uh, I just love watching like pitchers and catchers report, and you get to like spring training games toward the end of February. It's still snowing up here, and it's oh, like yeah. oh, beautiful green grass <laughs> in Florida and Arizona. It's like oh, spring yeah. is coming. It's coming. I don't know. If, I don't think. Did you have anything else you wanted to go over? No, nothing else. I think we covered everything we wanted to cover tonight, and mm. you know, that's about it. Yeah. So thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode. And if you have any questions, of course, always you can DM me on Twitter or the pod, the podcast Twitter pod at pod, pod underscore tar. Um, also, you know, reply to any of the, the tweets that I send out that I of the episode. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, anything, anything you want to add, you know, if you disagree with some of our opinions, you know, you know feel free to reach out. So, yeah, we'll be back with another episode, you know, hopefully shortly. Um, but yeah, we're getting close, as Johnny said earlier, just you know, just a couple weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting. So, I'll be getting started to get excited for that and get some more content out on the site, Primetime Sports Talk. Um, uh, Matt uh, was doing his Matt Maffei, if I didn't butcher his name, but I think that's he's doing it, doing his uh, what's it called, the Forgotten Players series. So, doing a bunch of them for, for each team. So, he did, he's done a few already, and a couple other guys did some. So, That'll be what we have for up until leading up till pitchers and catchers report. We'll be having a bunch of those coming out. So yeah, that'll be something to look forward to. So yeah, thanks for listening again, as always. And you can never have too much podcast.